to my department and said, hey, I think we can reach a lot more people in this community relation. Because once I came back and I was the trainer for our, our agency, I wanted to be excellent in three ways. I want to be excellent in the way that we deploy. I want to be excellent um, in the way that we train. And I want to be excellent in community relations because I saw that as the three main focuses of what we do. And um, one of the my goals was we can reach a lot of people if we go through social media. Um, we can kind of widen the, 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 the reach and my, like what the only thing I was comfortable with is once again, you see the gray of my beard was Facebook. And so I said, can we do Facebook? And the department was like, no, Facebook's ours. Maybe you can do Instagram. I'm like, I don't know anything about Instagram, but okay. And then I had one of the other, uh, handlers make a bet with me. He's like, I bet I can get more followers than you. And so I'm a competitive guy and I'm like, oh, it's on. Welcome to Game of Crimes. What's what's Vinny's remarks after all this big chase? I, I turned to him and I said, bro, amazing job because like literally it doesn't matter on a track typically your your backup gets lost in the woods and he was with me the entire time so he was like man that dog's good and i'm like i know <laughs> i i'm really impressed but it did something like one of the th- the first things they teach you in canine school um is to trust your dog uh and it's one of the hardest things to do because you want to think that you know more than your dog and it was one that i was like man, this dog is amazing and trustworthy. And every time it was kind of cool too. Every time I wanted to give up, there was a shoe, right? It was, it was like a sign that trust your dog, just trust him. He knows what he's doing. So it was, it was a great experience and a great learning experience for me. So. Yeah. It seemed like you were less the dog handler, just more the chew toy, you know, the play toy for your dog oh, on that first I track. I was just tied to the back of a dog. That was, that was it. <laughs> Like, Come on, seen, keep up, keep up. Did you ever see the Napoleon Dynamite, that movie? Dude, look at our ages. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he has a scene. It's like the very first scene of the movie. He has like a He-Man figure that's tied to a string, and he just tosses that out, out of a bus window. And he's holding on to the string, and the He-Man's just kind of flopping around on the asphalt behind the bus on the string. That's how I felt. Was I was just this guy on a string yeah. <laughs> flopping around behind my dog. You know what I think of too is just the cans you tie behind the newlyweds. You're just bouncing along yeah. behind the car. You're getting drug along. Yeah. Yep. That was me. Well, that was certainly instructive. So, but after that first track, what was it like for you to, I mean, like you say, you got to trust your dog. How, how did your relationship with Mattis change after that first track? It was just another piece was I knew that he was an amazing dog. And and the more and more time that we got deployments and spent time together, I I just saw how dependable this dog was. I learned how intuitive he was. Our bond was really good. Like it was one of the, it it was this special partnership of a dog that made me look so much better than I was. So he, he made up for a lot of my mistakes. Now, when you take it, when you take Mattis home at night, did he sleep in your house? Yeah, he he did. It was one of those that, once again, kind of going back to the, I wanted my dog to be in. This is what I saw with Jeff and what I learned in trainer school 
was the more time you put into your dog, um, the more socialization, which is just introducing them into new environments and teaching them how they should act in those environments, the more you can do that, um, the better your dog will be. They can handle it. Um, like some police departments are very much, you can't interact with a dog. It's a tool and that's it. And if you treat a dog that way, that's the way that they're going to be. But what I saw with Jeff, this amazing trainer, uh, and his dog, Abby, a Belgian Malinois, Mal's are known to be just nutso, was he had a dog that he could take. They are. Like that's- I'll tell you, we were going back to Randy Tooman, a couple of the others, and they just said, look, <laughs> you look at them in their eye. They're just nuts. These yeah. things are crazy. But he had this dog that was just ready for any situation. And that's what I decided. I'm like, I know it's a lot more work. But that's the kind of dog that I want. And you have to start with selecting the right kind of dog, which I got, you know, I, you're looking for happy, social, and confident. And that's what I was looking for in Madison. I got. Um, but you can teach them how you want them to act in any situation. You just have to do it. So being a part of the home was part of it. Um, like I didn't want him just not having interaction with people. I wanted him around people. And so I would take him everywhere with me. How was he around your kids, though? Because that was one of the other things when we've talked to some of the other canine handlers. A couple of them got to the point and said, no, i got to keep it outside because I think it was Steve, was it uh, Randy Tooman? Didn't he say he had to keep his dog outside because his daughter was coming across the, I think, the living room one time and kind of reached out and nipped her or something? And he's like, yeah, he just he ended up having to keep the dog out back. But you never had any problems with with your— but it was because I trained him that way. Like it was one that I wanted him. I wanted him social in every situation. So he was, he was taught. Could your kids, could your kids play with him in roughhouse and and that kind of thing? I, in the reason he, he has more apprehensions bites than all the dogs combined in the city of of Alpharetta. So every dog that we've ever had in service, if you add up all their bites, it doesn't equal what he's done. Um, He, because I could take him into any situation, I could walk him through the mall and kids could be playing with him and everything else. And then I can say a word and he can go apprehend a bad guy. So, and that was on purpose. Like I, I, I wanted, and that's what Jeff Franklin, um, to his credit, uh, what he showed me and emulated with his dog. And I saw that it was a possibility. So when, when you're walking through crowds, do you, you know, it seems like all the, the canines that you see, whether it's at the airport or the police department, they have the signs on it says, do not pet work dog. It was okay for people to come up and pet Mattis, huh? Yeah, as long as he wasn't actively working. And that's like the ones at the airport are actively working. Um, but with him, as long as he wasn't on a job, you could interact with him. And it was not, and, you know, that's one of the things we focused on later on in, in his career and what we do now, like as we do you know, public appearances. And- oh, what a great PR tool for the agency, man. That's fantastic. Thank you. So, but let's, let's, so let's, we want to talk about another thing you were involved in, um, yeah. which was a carjacking, a little more intense. But before that, at some point, like you said, you started seeing the value, the PR, because everybody loves fire people, you know, firemen, right? You know, firefighters. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, the cops show up. Oh, they're going to write you a ticket. Nobody ever says, hey, they're going to come put your, yeah, <laughs> Murph. You know. That's why there's yeah. no such show called Live FD. Uh, it was boring. Yeah, but nobody ever says, hey, be good, or the fireman's going to come over and set fire to your house. Nobody ever says that. They always say, be good, or the policeman's going to arrest you, right? Yeah. Right. So, uh, but at some point you started realizing, like you said, the value of the dog. When did you start creating a social media presence for yourself or what did you create it first for Mattis? Uh, no, it was for Mattis. Um, it, I went to my department and said, Hey, 
I think we can reach a lot more people in this community relation. Because once I came back and I was the trainer for our, our agency, I wanted to be excellent in three ways. I want to be excellent in the way that we deploy. I want to be excellent um, in the way that we train. And I want to be excellent in community relations because I saw that as the three main focuses of what we do. And um, one of the my goals was we can reach a lot of people if we go through social media. Um, we can kind of widen the, 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 the reach in my, like what the only thing I was comfortable with is once again, you see the gray of my beard was Facebook. And so I said, can we do Facebook? And the department was like, no, Facebook's ours. Maybe you can do Instagram. I'm like, I don't know anything about Instagram, but okay. And then I had one of the other, uh, handlers make a bet with me. He's like, I bet I can get more followers than you. And so I'm a competitive guy and I'm like, oh, it's on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um, you brought in your 47 page laminated uh, file of instagram and about, this is how i'm going to attack instagram this is our op orders this is our courses yep. of action well we are okay buddy take the yep. beach it's on well, apparently, apparently you yeah. figured it out because you got 265,000 followers <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> something went right no it was just one that i I love showing him off, and I, I, I always said if, if you're genuine, if you give people access, right? And this is police as a whole, us as a society, because um, you guys have probably never met. Like face-to-face when you talk to people, you can pretty much come to an understanding, right? And you have mutual respect for one another. We've become – you know, I, I think we're in a nation that's trying to divide us, and, and uh, really what we need to do is focus on a lot of the, the similarities we have. And dogs create that bridge initially which is fantastic. And then if you're authentic and, and tell people what you think and why you think it, a lot of times you're like, ah, oh, I get that. And so that was my goal with social media is just be real, uh, engage with people, you know, show them, show them the real you. And that's what we've tried to do. And it seems to be working out. okay. And, and the videos I've seen from you, you're not, you're not bashful. You're willing to laugh at yourself. I mean, there's a lot of self-deprecating humor in it, which is hilarious. I love it. But how <laughs> did you. the guy that you were in competition with, how many followers did he get? Oh, um, Eight? I think he quit. Like, he, <laughs> uh, he didn't. He, oh, he got overwhelmed. He's, I can only get four people to follow me. I'm done. <laughs> he's a nice, he's a great, he's a great guy. And he's still got a dog to stay. And I, I love him. Um, but yeah, social media wasn't his thing. <laughs> we need to follow your marketing pattern because we're not at 265,000. <laughs> No, no. Hey, by the way, while we're sitting here right now, let everybody know what where where can they find Mattis at? What's the handles for you on TikTok and uh, and the Instagram? Uh, TikTok is canine underscore Mattis M A T T I S, and then um, Instagram. It's a little convoluted, but if you put in Mattis M A T T I S, uh, you'll find him. So yeah, it's and AD, we'll stick. Yeah, A D P S underscore canine underscore Mattis is Instagram. But like I said, if you put canine Mattis. He's got the little <laughs> – this sounds so pretentious. He's got the little blue check mark next to him because he's verified. Oh, oh. <laughs> Your dog has a blue check mark. My oh, dog. my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So, but at what point – when did you – When from the time you got – so let's do this bookend it this way. When did you get Mattis? And then how long after that did you start realizing, hey, let's start doing this uh, thing they call the social media? Oh, pretty quick. Um yeah, I think I started when he was in training doing the, the social media. And I think that was back in ah, oh, was it Instagram for sure was right around 2000 or 2016. 
ish, 2015, mm-hmm. I think. So, so, um, so you're, you're now, does your dog know he has a Instagram account and a TikTok account? It's really gone to his head. He's just, like, his ego is uncontrollable now. Uh, you know, you know what they say, you know, the dog uh, emulates his handler. So uh, well, he's, he's, uh, he's got a little, uh, that boy's got some TV time too, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's done a few things. So is his sister over here, too. She's done some things. So we're going to talk about that in a second. So let's talk about the second case, but then we want to dive into a little bit more about what you've done, the books, you know, and the other stuff. Let's talk about this other one, because this other one, when I said, hey, what's what's another interesting case we could talk about? You thought about it for a second. You said the carjacking. So set context for this carjacking. What happened? Um, What were the circumstances? You know, time of day, what shift you were working? You know, give us the details. Yeah, it was the evening watch, and um, earlier in the shift, we had heard a heroin overdose go out, and it was I really didn't think much of it because I was the canine handler, and with canine, you're responding to like crimes in progress. Uh, if someone calls for you or looking for um, narcotic-related traffic stops or something that you could do. So I heard it was a medical call that came out because someone overdosed on heroin. I didn't think anything of it, but I did hear that the person had passed away. Um, And once again, they said someone had left the scene is all they said. Someone who was there had left the scene. And so it was, it was interesting. uh, But at the same time, it was just kind of a, a, something I stored in my memory bank. And about 20 minutes after that medical call, there was a, a carjacking call, which raised some flags because that's not something we get every day in in Alpharetta. And it was there, there was a lot. It was kind of cool when I showed up on on scene to talk to these people. Was it was um, in the parking lot of St. James Methodist Church is a, and it's right across the street from where the overdose had happened. They said this guy came up uh, to a person that was in their car. And the person happened to be in a wheelchair, pulls out a gun, sticks it in their face, and says, get out of the car. Um, another citizen who happened to be on scene says, hey, they're in, a, they're in a wheelchair. They can't get out of the car. Here, take mine. Like, And to me, like that was one of the things that I was just like, that's, that's real bravery, right? If someone – he's like, look, don't mess with that person. Here, take my car. Um, well, let's and, back up for a second. So these yeah. carjackers were ripping somebody out. Of a wheelchair that was that I mean obviously it was like a handicap accessible car they were trying to rip right. them out right and this other person intervenes yeah but I'm I'm just thinking about again you go back to that this is how smart some of these people are it's like if you've got somebody in a wheelchair driving a vehicle that means they probably got hand controls or something yeah. else even if they'd gotten in the vehicle they were I doubt that they were going to go anywhere because they wouldn't have known how to drive the thing. Yeah, in hindsight, this guy was in complete panic mode. Like he was, he was just, he was trying to get out of the scene. And the reason was, was because we later found out that he was, he was the one that was um, at the scene, had been of the heroin overdose, and he thought he was going to get in trouble for the death. And so that's why he was, he was fleeing, was because of this, this whole instance. So, um, but yeah, this amazing citizen steps in and says, "Here, take my car." And it was, uh, I'm trying to remember the color. I think it was an orange, like a burnt orange Scion, one of the boxy ones. I think it's an XB um, with a crack in the windshield, right? And so the delay by the time I got to that parking lot was probably about two or three minutes. 
And so I'm like, okay, where could they possibly go? And so typically if we get uh, someone who's done something wrong, they'll go southbound on 400. And so I go out to 400 and I sit there just looking for a scion. But the more time passes, the more less likely it is that I'm going to, I'm going to find them. And so I'm out there for like 45 minutes after the fact. And the church is literally five minutes away from where I am. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to find this guy. It's like 2 a.m. Um, but then I see a single vehicle coming down 400 South and it's a, it's orange Scion XB with a crack in the windshield. Mm. How long, how long did, how long was this after the original call came out? How long had you been waiting? From the carjacking, it was probably like 45 minutes. So it was like one of those, that the time delay, it was like, I was about to give up because it's like, he's not here and we want to find this guy. So let's look other places. But uh, yeah. I was, I was the only one that was still out there on 400 and I start pulling in behind the guy because I was on the side, you know, facing perpendicular to the, to the uh, interstate and watching. And I pull out behind him. And as soon as I do, he just punches it. And so we start taking off and, you know, I let people know on the radio that I'm, I'm behind the vehicle. We're heading southbound, but there's no one, there's no one really close. So I'm in it by myself. They're letting other jurisdictions know um, that we're headed their way. We're going south towards Roswell and Sandy Springs. And um, we get to this parking ride and it was kind of funny because if you're going south on 400, if you get to the MARTA parking ride, which is our mass transit uh, train station, um, it only has a turnaround. Like there's a parking deck and a turnaround. You can only go into it and then head back northbound. So I was like, this is perfect. If this guy, this guy has no clue what he's doing or he's just going to head back northbound to where all the police officers are coming from. And so I'm like, this is a good thing. Um but he actually did the dumbest thing that he possibly could have done, which, you know, <laughs> I, I was grateful for. Um, he uh, he turns into the parking deck and he, he busts through the, the arm that's, uh, you know, that comes down to keep you from not paying your two dollars or whatever to, to park in the park and ride. He busts through that and I'm coming in behind him. He starts going up and I'm like, Dude, like there's nowhere to go. going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he starts going up. And I'm behind him and he gets to about the third floor and there's less cars that are there. And so I see an opportunity to, to like take him out and I'm not pit certified at this time. So my mentality is just ram him. Right. It's like, this is a great place to terminate um, this whole carjacking um, scene. So let's just ram the vehicle, incapacitate it. There's no other cars I might possibly hit. And so I accelerate. I just punched the Ford Explorer, um, <laughs> a brand new Ford Explorer too, oh. which was funny. Yeah. Um, and I go, I go to hit him right in the driver's side back tire area. So it'll spin him out. Like I have it all played out in my mind what it's going to look like. Um, but he moves <laughs> and I tag one of the like, uh, concrete pylons is oh. coming down and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like if, if this, if this ends like this, I will never live it down. I just went, to, I just went to ram this guy, and I run into a pylon, and so I'm like, "Please explore, please work, please work, please work." And it did. Like, it, it, I could still move, and it actually worked to my advantage because it confused the guy. He saw me behind him, 
And then I disappeared. He didn't realize that I was over the other shoulder now engaged with a concrete pylon. And so I'm like, okay, I have an opportunity. I could also see. No, no, now wait a minute. Only a cop says I was engaged with a concrete pylon. Everybody else <laughs> says I crashed into a concrete. It makes no. it sound so much better. I engaged the concrete pylon and took the Correct. pylon out. Yes, yeah, for cover. <laughs> Dear Captain, nobody was more surprised than me when this concrete pylon appeared out of nowhere during my pursuit of a dangerous felon. We already know we're talking to Batman here. Batman. Batman. I wonder if Batman ever missed and hit a concrete pylon. I don't know. But if he did, he looked cool doing it because he had the cape and the Batmobile. And I think I look cool. I don't know. Anyway, so he's distracted now. He's looking over his left shoulder, and I can see he's got the gun in his hand actually. And so I'm like, oh, it's about to get bad. But now I'm on the passenger side and I, I'm able to go around the pylon that I engaged and ram like him. It, you know, I was probably going like 25 miles per hour and hit the side, the broad side of his passenger side. And it knocks him up against um, the the other side of the parking deck. And um, I see the gun go fly, which I was like, oh, that's perfect. And he jumps out of the car and takes off running and so i jump out of my car and hit my door popper and so mattis is running by my side and i can see the guy but even though i'm vertically challenged i can see over um you know regular sedans i can't see over suvs but i so i see this guy's head running through the parking deck and i tell mattis to go get him and mattis just kind of looks at me like go get who and i don't i i started getting frustrated but i didn't realize He's shorter, right? He can't see that there's a guy out there. And, and like, you gotta be oh, careful. He's gonna turn around and bite you because you're the closest target, right? Yeah, but you see the confusion, and, and he's like, "What are we? What are we doing here?" Right? You hit your door power. We're just running through a parking deck. And so I see uh, he starts going down the stairs, and I hit the stairs. Um, you know, flying down the stairs. Mattis is right by my side, and then I see on the second floor the stair door is starting to, to close. So obviously he went through that one. And so I start, I, I go through that, that door as well. And, um, I see him and I start, I start catching him. Um, I hit the gas and I start catching him and I tackle him. And then I look back and I see Mattis. He's got a shoe in his mouth. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you running around with a shoe? And I realized the reason that I caught this guy was because Mattis actually grabbed the hold of his foot. The way that I realized this was because later when we take pictures, he's got two holes in his feet. And so, like, anyway, I'm fighting with this guy, and Mattis has a shoe in his mouth. I'm like, get rid of the shoe and get in the fight. So, yeah, (laughs) he spits the shoe, and he bites the guy's arm, and then I, you know, it's perfect because then he's got control of that arm. I can get cuffs on him, roll him over. He had, like, broken glass and all this stuff underneath him. Um, I, I think a knife that he was trying to get to, but yeah, once Mattis dropped the shoe and got in the fight, we were able to get control of this guy. Um, yeah, he had two holes in his foot. Uh, very nasty foot. I have pictures of that foot. He had a tattoo of a dollar sign on top of his foot, which Mattis kind of ruined his tattoo. Um, <laughs> and that looks like a scent yeah. mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it was just, it was another one that, it taught me a lot. It's like consider things from the dog's perspective. Um, I thought I was really fast, but the reason that I caught him was because my dog had his foot, right? It was just all these wonderful things. So, 
It was good. This guy was—he was getting ready to take you on uh, the whole way. You know, in the parking building, you see yeah. him with a gun. He's getting ready to take you on, and then he yeah. loses a gun, and there he's going for a knife. What a freaking idiot! Yeah, yeah, it was—it it was cool. Like it was one of those that you don't like. You don't think you think right. You're thinking about, but you're not thinking about consequences. That this guy has a gun. He wants to do harm. Um, it's just like, this is what we're supposed to do. And Mattis loved it. His tail's wagging. He's got a shoe in his mouth and he's just happy. He's like, we got to do our jobs. And, dad, you know, dad teamwork, people. teamwork. Really we got him together, dad. It doesn't get any yeah. better than this. <laughs> right. So it was a good experience. That's fantastic. Hey, but you know, the other thing too, is this time, you know, it just wasn't a shoe of like a little minor shoplifter. This was like a certified, yeah, you know, this is yeah. a felon. Flat out, you know, felon. Now, when you said he had the weapon, did he ever, I mean, did you ever get to the point during that chase to where you could have considered lethal force or was, did he not, did he just have it, but not direct it towards you? Because at that point too, then you've got some considerations. you got your dog, you got to worry about you. Um, at any time, did it approach that situation where lethal force could have been used? Well, when I saw him looking over his shoulder with the gun in his hand, that would have been a moment that I could have, but I, I it was one of those that I, I felt like I could deescalate it with the ramming of the vehicle right is one that okay i'm relatively still protected and if i hit it hard enough you know i was hoping to trap him in the car it was really w w my end goal um uh and i i almost did it was slanted slightly and that's why he was able to get it out on the driver's side um but he wouldn't have been able to get on the on the passenger side but at least it would have been a little bit contained and that's kind of what i was going for but that would have been the only moment right then was when i saw him with the gun looking over his shoulder is i could have jumped out and it could have been a lethal force situation, but I, like I said, I thought that I could take other actions to protect life at that point. So that's why I went ahead with it. I don't want to gloss over the point here for our listeners is yeah. that's what police officers do. They're not out there to shoot people. You know, they, nobody joins the police department. There may be a, a wacko here and there, but typically yeah. people do not join law enforcement to kill others. They're out right. there to help the public. And here's, an opportunity. This is a perfect example of how you would have been completely justified. No jury in the world would have ever convicted you if you'd have taken that guy out. But because you're maintaining your faculties, you've got adrenaline pumping gallons into your bloodstream here, which if you've never experienced that for our listeners, it's, that's not something that just goes away as soon as you, the situation's over. That's something that has to dissipate out of your system. But it affects the way you become hypersensitive. You may experience tunnel vision like you talked about before, but here's through experience, expertise, training, you have, you're able to maintain your faculties so that you can make sound decisions where you didn't have to tell, you know, you realize there are other alternatives and you were able to take the guy out alive. It's, it's phenomenal. And it's, and I just, you know, I mean, you're more familiar with the sentiments, but you're still a uniformed police officer out there dealing with this crap every day the sentiment, the anti-law enforcement, defund the police crap that's going around here in the United States, you know, and I mean, who would have given those people justice, especially the man in the wheelchair, if you hadn't come yeah. along and done your job? The bigger question out of all of this is, dude, you wrecked your car. How did you explain that to well, you? Your... Well, and so, wait a minute, Mark, you got to well, understand why he's asking this question, because he's a former trooper. You know, he likes to wash yeah. his car and change tires. So that's why he's asking Dude, you if, if you if you see my new 2021 Kia, it's a year old now. I've got less than 10,000 miles on it. It's like it's garaged. It's I check it every time I go. I park away from everybody. Nobody gets to park next to me. I check it for scratches, dings. I got, I got to ride in that thing one time. I had to put a hazmat suit on to get inside of his freaking car. 
<laughs> well, that's, that's, that's because of the way, it's because you hadn't taken a shower in four days, Murph. Well, that's not um, a problem, is it? What, what's wrong with the Kia, Mark? I'm not in pursuit no, of anything anymore. It's, no, it's beautiful. It's very reasonable, sir. <laughs> um, uh, I wish okay. our listeners could see Mark's face right now. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, the good thing was is I had an actual like I rammed the other vehicle, so now I could I could tell them. As I was coming around the corner, <laughs> well, no, you could... I, I incapacitated his car. Like that's why. What's the What's the damage on the side of your Explorer? Oops, oh, oops. well, don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about it. I engaged. A, I this was a, this highly technical process. I can't explain it to you. Um, <sighs> That's right. There, there's actually I, there's a uh, dash cam footage of that one, and it's 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 fun. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Now, is that cool. is that publicly available uh, under free, uh, yeah. records requests? Yeah. You got it. Uh, I don't. I, I think I might have a copy of it somewhere. I, actually, I don't even know if I have that one. But, oh, yeah. here we go. Now I don't know. Oh no. <laughs> are, are you asking for it for the spot? No, I don't have that, sir. If I'm making I'm making an official request on this show, public records request to the Alpharetta Police Department to produce the uh, dash Frank. cam video of said pursuit where said officer Mark Tappan engaged the concrete pylon. I'd like to see the context of that. You can do that. Okay. Yeah, well, this is a technically it's a public records request, so I will expect it in my inbox here shortly. Anyway, but I digress. Back to our regularly scheduled podcast for those those counting. That's number five. Yes. So what was that? What was the aftermath of that? You get this guy in custody. What, by the way, just out of curiosity, what kind of weapon did you end up recovering? Uh, if you remember, well, I don't. I don't. It was just a. I think it was. It's probably a high point. <laughs> Everyone has high points. Um, actually, I don't think he did. It was just a, uh, a silver handgun. I think it was a. Uh, it was like an odd caliber too, like a thirty-two or something. Yeah. So, just some crappy yeah. knockoff yeah. type of. Yeah. yeah. Probably wouldn't have worked if he pulled the trigger, but people die um, doing yeah. stuff like that. They don't realize. So, um, but what was the aftermath with that guy though? In terms of like, um, what you end up charging him with, or did you go to trial on this dude at all? What happened? Uh, no, we were. <laughs> say this. We work in Fulton County, so everything gets, everything gets pled down. So you never go to trial. Anyway. <laughs> so did yeah, he plead he, down to what jaywalking, misdemeanor I, parking? I, I have no idea what the outcome of that was. Rarely do we actually actually find out dispositions. It was a I, we charged him with carjacking. Um, I don't know if detectives went back after the fact and found. Yeah, we have been a jurisdiction well known that, for that well known um, for that with fentanyl deaths and heroin deaths. We were one of the first uh, departments to actually. Our detectives did fantastic work where they found the dealers of the heroin that were. Um, fentanyl laced and charge them with murder uh, because and of an damn overdose. well ought to because we yeah. have talked about this before quit calling them overdoses they're not overdoses yeah. they're poisoning it's a criminal yeah. act yeah. and people need to be charged for that kind of stuff so yeah we have some solid detectives that do good work and made charges that hadn't been made before so that was good i don't know if they did in this case or not outstanding though. yeah well, let, let's talk about now how you parlayed all of this uh, engaging the uh, concrete pylon and everything into uh, some of the stuff like Top Dog and your social media stuff. So how did you get involved in this thing called Top Dog? Tell us what Top Dog is. Um, how did you come about to be involved in it? You know, what does it consist of? Yeah, so America's Top Dog uh, was a television show. Uh, it, they they kind of build it as an American Ninja Warrior type of show for a handler and the dog. and um, 
so I knew that it was kind of out there, but I didn't, I didn't put in for it. Um, I had my social media page and actually someone else told them, Hey, you should look at this guy. He's worth talking to. And so they call it the producers of the was show. That you were the dog that was worth talking to the dog. The mostly. dog. Okay. Yeah. That's just, yeah, but yeah. I, I'm his go between. So. You're the translator. Woof, woof, Correct. woof, woof. He's asking for a limo and a you know private jet. Yes. Right. Um, so anyway, we start talking, and one of the things they want to make sure is that you you can complete a sentence, which the dog, is, much to your dismay, uh, Morgan, <laughs> being a former Marine, I can uh, You're the complete agent. a sentence as we speak. I don't know if I just did a good sentence. That was a horrible sentence. Like I just totally, <laughs> I good talk. I good talk. I are a good talk. I, I, I make good talk. I make good talk. <laughs> Crayons, anyway, please. Yeah. So I talked to the producers and, and they like my talk. So uh, anyway, it, it, we went more and more through the process and I saw it as an opportunity. Hey, I understood one you. Of those that, like I have taken some criticism because of the, uh, how social my dog is and the social media that we do. Well, wait a minute. What kind of yeah. criticism, what's the criticism that you're not mean enough, that you're not biting enough people or searching? I mean, how do you criticize? A, 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 first of all, the dog probably doesn't know it, but how do you criticize? What's the criticism for? Well, in the dog world, it's, it's like some, it's kind of like martial arts used to be was like your Kung Fu is no good uh, type of mentality. And then mixed martial arts came around and realized Hey, if you can take good things from everything and really incorporate them, you're going to be better. Um, and so that was kind of my mentality in the way that I train my dog. And then, like I said, I had him where he's super social. I can take him into any environment. He stays in the house with me. And so some people, other trainers and handlers would say, oh, he's just worried about looking good on social media and his dog's not really good at working. Um, and so I saw America's Top Dog as an opportunity to show, hey, not only is this dog very social. Um, but he's also really good at his job. And so I was like, this would be a cool opportunity. And, um, it, I made it through the selection process. They wanted me. Uh, it was, it was kind of funny. Rewind. Is, Hold on yeah. a second. Rewind. Let's talk about the selection process. As, what, what do they do to select you? Is it, I mean, it's got, cause it, you look to your point when you had the dog or that dog, um, that you saw show up to the fair that time you're out there with all your SWAT stuff, but the guy who doesn't even have a personality has got a dog and everybody wants there. Anytime you get TV, you want a handler and a dog to both kind of have a personality. They've got to be um, something that's going to be televisable. You know, you, you want to make it new, you want to make it uh, good content. So what kind of, what kind of uh, application, what kind of tryout, what kind of thing did you have to do to get selected? It was just zoom zoom calls like this with producers that were out in California and they're asking you questions and trying to hear your story. And Matt has had a real good story too, of, um, uh, winning a purple heart. Uh, he got injured in line of duty pursuing two guys. And so he had kind of gotten some recognition nationally from that. Um, so he had a good backstory, which made him a, a good play as well on TV. And so it was like this injured dog is, you know, highly decorated and has all these fines and all these apprehensions and his handler talked good. So let's, uh, you know, through the course of the interviews, they said, well, you know, the dog's amazing and the bald guy's good enough. <laughs> Cause you can't have one without the other, right? If you want the dog, yeah, you got to bring me, right? Yeah. That's kind of how it works. 
<laughs> so how long from that initial process till you got selected? How long did that take? Uh, it was probably like a two-month process of the phone interviews. And then um, they gave us another month where they told us we're going to start shooting uh, out in California. And here are the dates, which was kind of a funny story, too, because um, there was – 10 episodes and then a champions um, episode. And we were scheduled to shoot on the 10th episode. That, that's when our date was. And they're shooting the champions the very next day. And so they're like, we need you available from this date. You know, it was like, we fly out on Wednesday and you'll be home on Friday. Um, and I'm like, well, you guys are shooting the champions on Friday though. Right. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, well, shouldn't I go ahead and stay till Till, till Saturday then? And they're like, you you haven't even, like, competed. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, wouldn't it be cheaper for y'all to get the plane ticket for the next day? Because I plan on winning. Like, that's – they're like, are you serious? I'm like, well, I'm not coming to lose. I'm, I'm going to give well, everything to God. What's the purpose of a 10th episode if you've already picked your winner? Why have a 10th episode? Yeah, well, the 11th, so – Anyway, it was I would have to win my my episode to get to the champions, and so anyway, it turned out they're like, okay, yeah, well, we'll see. And it was funny too because when we got there, they already had the final set. They were like, we're not gonna like we have enough dogs for the finals. I think they had six, and that's all they wanted. And I'm like, I can't just win. I have to. I have to make it blow cool. them away. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's like the whole dive into the. If you watch my episode. I do this dive into the pool um, that no one had, you know, it was just kind of this, you know, thing that everyone goes nuts. The announcers go nuts. And, and it was kind of funny. The producers pulled me over after the show. You dive into the pool just because what you're hot or I mean, what's the purpose of diving into the pool? What was going on that caused you to dive into the pool, Marine? It was this, this obstacle course. And it was kind of funny. You could, uh, before it happened, my wheels were turning and I knew that once again, the finals were already set. And I had to, like, in this obstacle course, I had to do something that they would be like, we have to have this guy, right? Because it wasn't just about having a good time or being a good competition. Like, it has to be like, oh, he's, like, this guy's crazy. And so um, during the course of it, the last obstacle that you go to is a pool that your dog has to swim across. And they, they're like, if you need to, you can get into the water, is what they said. And, they're like, and so I'm like, I raised my hand. I'm like, so it's okay to get into the water. They say, yes. I'm like, okay. And that's it. I leave it there because I already know what I'm going to do. Um, yep. Uh, well, it's a funny story too. It was about uh, chest high. And when I dove in, I actually scraped my face on the bottom of the, on the bottom of the, of the thing. But I, I didn't say anything to anyone that I did that. I just, well, I, that was the whole I, thing. They, they, they didn't tell you, you did all you said how is, how can I get that in the water? water? They never prescribed yep. how you entered the water. Correct. <laughs> what they wanted to was the dog to cross the water, and then there's a button on the other side that you you hit, and your time stops. And so I was like, "Well, let's make this cool." And so what I did was Madison was approaching the water. He had just crossed this bridge, and I'm running full speed, and I just go full dive. And and right when I do, Madison was like, "Oh, you're diving. I'm diving too." And so he jumps up. We both hit the water. It was like this amazing thing. The producers go nuts. Like you can hear them in the truck just flipping out. They're like, ah, and they pull me aside and they're like, that was so cool. Don't ever do it again. <laughs> we don't have the insurance for that. So anyway, I ended up making the finals. Um, 
you know, we ended up winning the episode. Uh, well, no, no, you can't, you don't get to gloss over that. So let's let's talk about <laughs> winning. And then I we went on, and then you know global domination, blah blah blah. Yeah, so that was cool. So that once you cool. got out of the water, they had to put their heads together and kind of go, okay, this is a game changer, right? So yeah, well, I, I suppose I don't know what they did on that side, but it was like that's the that was the first stage of the O course, and what happens is they eliminate dogs along the way, and so that was the first stage. We won the first stage. Oh, okay. Then then there was an odor challenge. Was the next stage. And, um, Mattis did fantastic in that finding all the odors. And so we won that stage. And then the, the finals was you and another dog. Um, and it was another O course with situations. And then the dog has to go apprehend and bite a bad guy. And then you call him off and we won that stage. So. Now, is there a danger? Is there a danger between, like you said, you're doing this stuff back to back. So like, you know, the people in the first episode, they got plenty of time to rest up and do stuff. So is there a concern with you, with your dog, with all of the exertion from that first day, being able to duplicate that the next day for the finals? Not really, because it's just like, this is stuff that I, there are different obstacles than you'd ever encounter anywhere in the police world. But at the same time, the the training and stuff that we do, it was like more taxing. So I wasn't really concerned that he, he would be out of sorts or anything like that. Oh, okay. He, he, he found joy. It was something fun for him to do. And once again, this is not saying that I'm a great handler or trainer. It's, he's a very intuitive dog and he knows what I want. And that's what made him good at the obstacle course was that it was, it just translated well as he knew what I wanted him to do. And that's why we were able to complete it. What was the response of the other canine officers there after you dove in the pool? <laughs> I bet you caught some some crap from them. Uh, it was just like, well, you, yeah, a little bit. And it was one of those. We They were such a good group of people. Like everyone was – you have a little bit of time ahead of time where you're practicing on the uh, – some of the – you get some exposure to the course. It might not be the exact same as when you go through it. Um, but everyone was – like all you wanted – and this is pretty indicative of the canine world as as a whole is you wanted to see everyone succeed. And so that was, it was one of those, some high fives and like some head shaking, like you're, you're extra bro. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So, but it was, you really, oh, you know, to see being humble is one of my greatest virtues. Yes. That's right. Yes. yes. <laughs> so let's talk about the finals now. So where is this thing being filmed at? Santa Clarita, California, just north of Los Angeles. It's, so if you've seen tell that, us about you seen the setup. <laughs> yeah, tell us about the setup and everything. Yeah, it's in this valley, and they shoot like uh, what's the? There's a new Steph Curry um, golf game. Um, I can't think of the name of it. Well, oh, I know who you're talking about. It's got yeah, it's got the comedian, the guy used to actually yes. used to be a marine. Yeah, yeah, uh, Riggle. R- yeah, R- Robert, Robert Riggle. Riggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that shot there, wipeout shot there. So, it, you know, behind the scenes, you see some of the, the big balls and stuff they use for the game show. Wipeout was a, such a fun show. I only yeah. watched that to watch people fail so miserably. They bounce yeah. off stuff. It's like, it was it was cool. It's in the, you know, they had to, it's kind of desert type setting. Like there's not a lot of plants. So they actually bring foliage in to make it look like it's, it's green. Um, they have, you know rafters and all this other stuff that's built up uh the the set crew was pretty impressive the things they built it was just off the top of their heads they came up with these and they had to re-engineer them in the middle of it so you had like uh, trap doors that came down were held were magnets the dog had to jump up and grab a ball 
Um, they had cars, the dogs had to slalom through bridges, you know, they had to like slatted bridges they had to cross. Um, final stage was this cool, you know, like three story, the dog had to go through a web maze. Uh, I did too. And a low crawl, climb boxes, dog had to open doors, run through tunnels. It was really cool. Um, just how they can build sets and then, you know, bring it in to make it look a certain way. And they had crowds, um, that were there to watch and encourage and stuff. So it was really cool. How long did it take you to, to, uh, do the course? Wow. When, I mean, like you got to look at it, but from start to finish, how long does it take to, to do the competition? Um, well, the first stage was about two and a half minutes for, for that stage. And it started with like a car slalom. And then it had the fire escape is what they call it, where the dog has to jump up, grab a ball, pull it down, run up to the next level, do the same thing, run up to the next level, do the same thing, come down, jump over some walls. Um, go they had to go under a wall in the lat in my episode then they they come up and go over the slatted bridge jump into the water um and then hit the buzzer so that was about two and a half minutes of of work the so tell us about the the water this time how did you handle the water this time because they told you don't dive again bro right yeah in the finals it was one that i knew like he was it was one that i was just trying to get as fast a time because now i'm up against the winners of every episode um, not every episode, but the fastest times from the season. And so I'm like, I'm trying to get over there as quick as I can. So Mattis makes a great jump and I sprint to the other side and I'm just waiting, um, by the buzzer. As soon as he hits the deck, we hit the the buzzer on that one. And I think we were number uh, finished with a top three time. There was two guys that were super fast. So they were younger, better shape than me. Not my, like, it was one of those that I was the one holding Mattis back. So he, it was it was fun. We made it to the next stage, which was the odor, um, and odor is just fantastic. It was kind of cool. Like there was one guy. His name is Mike Mike McMahon. Um, he's up in New Jersey, and he is a fantastic dog trainer. And everyone kind of knew from the beginning that he was the favorite. Um, and so I was I was so excited to be in the finals with with Mike at the end of this, his dog was named Kai and he had been a dog trainer for like 20 years. Um, he was just, he, he was intense. He was a great competitor and it came down to us two on the final stage. And, um, did they eliminate beat. everybody up to that final stage so that there would only be two of you? Yeah, actually in this one, there was three in the final stage because there's an extra dog, me that made the finals. So instead of having just two dogs compete in the very last stage, they had three dogs. You screwed up all of their plans. You you screwed everything up, dude. Yeah, I did. Um, but good. it was cool. We we ended up running a really good time, and then Mike was the last one to go in, in the final stage, and um, he ended up beating me by I think eight seconds. It was it was tight, and those eight seconds will haunt me. But at the same time, it's one of those like we go back to. If I get beat by someone that gives their absolute all and I feel like I gave my absolute all, I am nothing but impressed and and proud of, of the work that he put out. And he, he's an amazing handler with an amazing dog. And it was so much fun to be there and do it with him. So you came in second then on top dog. In the champions, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you were first, as they say first loser. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like somebody, I can't remember which community said, look, it, either you want to win the gold or the bronze. Cause like silver's like you yeah. said, like first loser, but bronze is like, <laughs> Hey, no, you did good. You know, it's like silver's that 
kind of, um, uh, you know, in between. It's like, I don't want to be in purgatory, you know, either the goal, but still, but eight seconds uh, overall, when you think, but here's the thing, they didn't even plan on you being in the finals. And so you still blew them away. Yeah. How, now I got to tell you, how did you handle the fame after that point? Because now everybody knows you, everybody <laughs> sees you. What kind of crap did you get from your people back in the department? Um, so the final, like there wasn't much cause they showed as an air. Um, and I don't think it aired till like six months later. Right. So we were going into 2020. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we're going into 2020 and I can't really tell anyone what happened. <laughs> so, wow. so you had to um, sign a bunch of non-disclosures yeah. and everything. So you can't disclose. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it really didn't change anything. And then the other funny thing was, was once it hit, right. Was January, 2020 was when it was released. And that's when right COVID about the time happening. COVID starts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, like, honestly, people through only through my Instagram really kind of saw that we were on it. We've, you know, promoted it and stuff, but it, it didn't even grow my Instagram that much. Uh, we were already, I think we were at like 30,000 followers or something like that, but it didn't have a huge effect on, on the amount of followers that I had. Wow. That's kind of so, anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. But one, Dang it. I ruined the story. What channel did it air on? A&E. Kind of in conjunction with Live PD. And so I like I got to go right when it in January they flew me out to New York and I got to host Live PD and go on like Good Morning America, Fox and Friends, um things like that. So because they were doing a media tour and trying to get people excited about it. And like I said, it was right before COVID hit. So they were still doing stuff but trying to figure out this new sickness that was rearing its head. Oh yeah, no, I re- remember some of that stuff too. Uh, having been to New York, that same studios uh, with Fox and stuff, it's like they started changing everybody. You had to go to different floors, then they wouldn't even let you on the floor, and then pretty oh, soon wow. everything was remote. Yeah. So, but anyway, hey, but no, that's that's interesting. So, but you did the tour, but so did uh, did everybody uh, once it aired and once it was out there, and you're doing all this TV stuff. Did you get any good, you know? good ribbing or, you know, crap from your folks? Or was it kind of like, yeah, it was six months ago. I mean, that's you're so old news now. Yeah, I, I guess a little bit, but at the same time, like my social media was always, was already kind of big. And so I would get more recognition from that. And I, I, you know, I don't mind going back to my philosophy of being excellent in the way that we deploy, the way that we train um, and the way we do community relations. It had always been a focus of mine. And so people kind of knew that I was out there um, in the public eye, but that I tried to do a really good job too. Um, and so it wasn't one of those that I hope that I was just like fame seeking, right? It was like, no, that guy's, they do a good job. And it was the whole canine unit too. Like not just me is that we do a really good job and it's cool that they got recognized for it and they got to do this. Um, and it actually, we ended up winning some money for our public safety foundation through that TV show, right? Is they also had private trainers. And if the private trainer were to win, they would get the money themselves. But with the police officers, the money would go to a foundation of our choosing. So it went back to our police department. So they were kind of grateful for, for some of that. Well, even your, even your, your log on for our, to find you on Instagram is ADPS with some more stuff on behind. It's not Mark Tappan. No, uh, no, nothing about me. So, yes, I, that's and the point being here. It's not about you trying seeking fame. I don't think it's you know promoting a dog and the good things that they do. Yeah, I I really am proud of this dog, and I, I love what he's done, and I love the way that he brings people together. Um, and then it, the part of it where I love people, and I love bringing people 
uh, and making that connection with police officers. If if I can if I can impact our community for good in some way and helping people to realize that we're real people with senses of humor and have a good time. We have wives, we have kids, um, that we love life and we love people. Then I've done my job. We need to bring him on game of crimes because that's what game of crimes does. Oh, we did. Look at us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, you know, no, but again, yeah, like you said, it's not about you, but you would not turn down if some, somebody comes knocking on the door and said, Hey, we'd like you to host a game show. You do that, wouldn't Correct. you? <laughs> Let's go. I'm, I'm, hey, so, uh, I'm game. Was there any additional follow up? Because you know the thing, the way it works on a lot of these places, people go, "Well, how do you get on the news all the time? And how do you do this?" It's like once you're in one or once or twice, then you start getting on somebody's speed dollar. You know, they call you. You know, they do it with you, Murph. They do it. Derek Maltz is another example mm-hmm. too. You know, they'll call him. Um, did you get anything that came out of this as a continuing thing? Did like Live PD come back to you again, or anything else, or was it kind of a one and done? Well, it was <laughs> sadly because um, Live PD got shut down. Right? Is that was not when too they long after it. that? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then America's Top Dog, A and E, kind of went away from law enforcement based television because of all the civil unrest and things that were going on in our country. And so um, I still have, like, I got back and I did some stuff with. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, it's uh, it's actually based with CNN, but it's. Uh, one of their crime shows, there's a, a, a crime show that I would go on every once in a while, but that got shut down. So it was, yeah, it, it kind of, the timing of it, as far as for TV, um, wasn't the best for law enforcement. So, but my social media grew exponentially. Um, so that, that's been encouraging through a time where there's been a great chasm. It has grown. And that, that like I said, is extremely encouraging for me. Yeah, those kind of reactions by Hollywood just really endear you to the to that industry, don't they? Yeah, it's, it's sad. Yeah, but you know, it's it's you know they they go with the wind right now. Live PD is back, but it's out over on Reels. So you know, Steve, you and I were both on with uh, uh, Sticks Larson on their podcast. You know, mm-hmm. cocktails and cocktails, and uh, so I mean, everything kind of it comes full circle after a while. But speaking of full circle, it did lead you into something. At what point? Um, because I know you couldn't have written the book. Uh, you had to get somebody to write it for you, but you've done three. What's well, a what picture book? Get, it's a picture book with crayons. <laughs> it comes with crayons and, and places you can color in the lines. At what point did you get the idea to do a book with Mattis? When, where, where did that idea come from? Because you've done three of those now. <laughs> well, I wanted to do it. It was kind of during um, COVID was we were in our houses a lot more. And so I was like, I'd like to to write a book. And so I started trying to write an adult book and realized words are hard for Marines and (laughs) they're hard for cops too. (laughs) And and I'm like, maybe I should write a kid's book. Right. And so I, I had a six year old, five year old daughter at the time. And I'm like, let me, let me read or write this for, for her and see if she likes it. So I wrote um, my dog Mattis, my first kid's book. And uh, she loved it. Like she loved the story of Mattis and it had, you know, him getting hurt, but him doing so good as a police officer and getting better and getting to go on a TV show and fly on a plane. And she, she, like I, she was so caught up emotionally and I'm like, maybe I can turn this into a book. And so I went ahead and got it illustrated and self-published on Amazon and it did well. We wrote another one that was actually about our first track um, that I shared earlier. Um, And that one did pretty good. And now I have a third one written and I'm working on my adult book as well. So 
hopefully we'll get that published here and not too long. So how many books do you have out right now, though? Is it two or two. is it three? Two? I have two out. The third one's written, but two are, two are published. Uh, so the first one is called My Dog Mattis. What's the second yep. one called? My Dog Mattis and the Barefoot Bandits. And the Barefoot – yes, the Barefoot Bandits because uh, <laughs> you found the shoes in the mud. Um, right. And what's the third, what's third one going to be called if oh, you can I disclose you. that? I can't, I can't tell you. Well, you, can't, you can't tell me or you Huge. won't tell me? Uh, Huge? Yeah. It, it goes through a day in the life of what we do. Okay. A day so, in the life of what we do. That's a long name for a book. Yeah, it's not the name of the book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get it out trooper. of you. We'll get it. Yeah, trooper. We'll get it out of you. Well, let's let's talk about the impact that the books had. So once you wrote that book, what kind of feedback did you get now that you're writing these kids' books like that? Did I mean, did, were you able to go to schools with them? I mean, tell us how you use them as instruments, as tools. Yeah, and that was the, the neatest thing was the the reception and the reviews that we got on Amazon were 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 really good. Um, and it did provide more opportunities to go to schools. One of the most humbling thing I'll see now is I'll see other cops with my book and reading it to a group of kids. Yeah, so seeing people in your industry um, giving you that nod of approval that you know the book is relatable and it helps with kids, and you know, that means a lot to me. And like I said, I, I I get a little teary just thinking about other people seeing value in in the work that you did. So you've got two kids' books, one adult book coming. When we don't by adult, we mean it's written for adults. Um, <laughs> yes. I know it sounds strange yeah. as you say that. <laughs> yeah, I just we wanted to clarify just in case some of you are going. Oh, some good stuff. Um, what else have you got? I mean, so you got anything else planned? Um, there's some stuff that's on the. You know, I, I'm trying to get our YouTube going, um, which has been a fun endeavor, kind of showing longer format of the capability of of dogs and meeting new handlers and um, uh, like dogs in other realms too, like just like the agility world or the trick world or. Um, uh, therapy dogs or service dogs or whatever, and kind of seeing the capabilities and, and the functions that, that dogs have in the world. So that's kind of what my YouTube is diving into, and it's been a lot of fun so far. We have uh, three episodes I've been making with one or two of my buddies, and uh, yeah, it's that's been a fun endeavor. Let me just say, too, I'm, I'm looking at Amazon right now. You've had, on your first book, you've had over 2,000 people rate it, 2,085, and you've got five stars. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I had a good illustrator. And like you said, I think I, I dodged that part of your question as far as I know you can't write it yourself. I did have my sister who we talked about a, a little bit earlier. She's an excellent writer. And so she helped me. Was, is her name happened to be Libby? Is yep. that the name? That's All her right. Name. Yep. She, she helped me out um, with the literary expertise, if you will. So. The and, big, you and, mean the big words, right? The big words. She talked gooder than me. <laughs> she talked gooder than me. Well, and then uh, that one came out April of 2021. Then you wrote the second one. Um, and then you've got this adult thing. You're working on the uh, the adult book. Then you've got the YouTube channel. Uh, it sounds to me like you're kind of setting yourself up uh, for some uh, multimedia or Hollywood stuff here. I mean, how many years you got left in you before you decide, hey, I want to go host maybe your own game show is America's Amazing Dogs. Yeah, that'd be cool. We'll see. I don't hey, know. But that's, that's copyright. You can't use it without the permission of Ricky Bobby Inc. All right. <laughs> Clear. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Hopefully some of that stuff pans out. So how much longer are you going to stay doing this job? Uh, I, I, I love what I do. I love the people that I work with and for, um, or 
work with. <laughs> there's a but coming though. It's a, there's always a but coming. Okay, I love who what I do, but yeah, it's my body right breaking down. You guys know how that is. Putting on the bag every day and uh, feeling it in your back, and then you know the politics that get involved sometimes. And um, I, I'm, I'm very much a, a grunt at heart. Like I love doing the job and your body will only allow you to do the job for so long. So um, I don't know. It seems like we're getting pretty close to the end. Yeah. It's, of, it's, it's kind of a young going. man's game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, should the call arise, Murph and I are ready to saddle back up as we did with the episode with Natasha Herzig, the right, with the right motivation, you're never too old to saddle back up and go do stuff. So well, I'm yeah. thinking um, I, can, I can probably mount a blue light on my wheelchair and, and a siren on the other <laughs> side. Here we go, buddy. <laughs> Just put it and drive around your neighborhood, which you do all the time. I'm Murph. Does anybody remember me? I'm Murph. Oh, I'll hang my head out the window going, wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. We'll have some fun. Hey, so let's do this. Let's kind of wrap up uh, here, uh, Mark, and just kind of. I mean, this is great because what you've done is, look, the thing I love about dogs, too, you saw cats crawling around. We've got cats now. Just to your point, as you start getting older, you realize, I'm not getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to take the damn dog out and go take a pee and a crap, you know, and stuff. And uh, I will say it was so funny because uh, when my daughter and my son-in-law, went, they went on vacation um, down to Okacroak, and uh, my middle son, who lives here, he says, I'll watch your dog for you because, you know, they were going to – a Marine buddy of his was going to do it, but his wife got sick. So my son has this dog for a week, and all of a sudden he says, hey, I got the fever. So he got himself a dog. Oh, wow. And, and now he's realizing, oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> it takes a while to take it. We just – my wife and I and him went out to a brewery here, and uh, he brought the dog on. Everybody wants to – see the thing is everybody wants yep. to pet the dog. Nobody yeah. brings a cat to a brewery. You never hear about police cats. <laughs> You only hear about police dogs. And if you ever tried to take a cat on a walk, it's near impossible. It's, you just can't do it. But My dad trained our cat to, to walk on a leash. That tells you what kind of trainer he was. So, wow. Yeah. Did he train the cat also to go sit over the toilet instead of the uh, kitty litter? <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is cool. Hey, by the way, I was going to tell you, we we're going to close the loop too, because um, you know where Lilburn is. It's not that far yeah. from you, right? No, not at all. Yeah, and that's where the case I was telling you about when we were at, did the pre-call, Steve. The, so uh, was up in Norcross and Lilburn and doing the follow-up on that bank robbery case. So a guy back in 93, this is, when did you start in uh, Alpharetta? 2006. Yeah, so this, I mean, this is well before your time, but a guy that was good for bank robberies up in Kansas went back down to Georgia where he was compacted on parole to finish his parole, ended up robbing a bank. Same thing you're almost talking about. He pulled the guy out of his car. Um, guy didn't want to, guy kind of fought back. He went to another guy, shot and killed him, Gabor Balog. Um, went, tried to, anyway, long story short is this is the guy out of Georgia that appealed to the Supreme Court and said, hey, you can kill me, but because uh, I was an IV drug user, my veins are compromised. I'd rather have you shoot me than use uh, than lethal injection. So oh. he's the one that got uh, made it to the Supreme Court out of the state of Georgia because they were going to. Ex- I mean, his execution date was set, and he appealed, and the Supreme Court ruled and said, "Hey, uh, you know, I guess if you want to be shot, you can." Uh, but Georgia doesn't provide firing squad; it's only lethal injection. So this guy has, in a sense, dodged the death penalty, and that. That occurred at, at Tucker Savings and Loan over in Lilburn. I don't know if Tucker Savings and Loan is there anymore, but that's where that—that's the Supreme Court case happened not too far from you. Interesting, and you were involved with that. 
Yeah, we were. Uh, we did a case of the month on our Patreon. Uh, shameless plug, Game of Crimes. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash Game of Crimes and hear our uh, episode case of the month. But yeah, it was uh, me and we were actually down in Georgia back before the Olympics. So we were dealing with the Red Dog team. They're the FBI. Uh, they'd had everything cleaned up. The MARTA was clean, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Metro Area Rapid Transit Association or agency, whatever it's called, and uh, everything was clean. We we're standing down in the Buckhead District uh, over in Atlanta, um, and uh, got to go got to go see all the back in the day when it was the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. Got to see ravishing Ric Flair, jumping Joey Boggs. You know, saw all of the guys hanging out at the bar because we were cops. What we do? We find a bar to hang out at. They said, "Hey, go over here." So. But I got to ask you, though, the big important question, if you live in that area, which which peach tree do you live off of? <laughs> there, well, there is a uh, there's oh, like yeah. seven that are close to where I am, um, but there's not one that we're right off of. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is a picture like there's two peach tree industrials close to where I am. It's got to confuse the hell out of ways in Uber. It's like, I'm supposed to pick you up Peachtree, but which one, you know? It's such a Georgia thing, too. Like, they're just talking, hey, what should we name this? I don't know. How about Peachtree? But that one, we'll put it in industrial. I don't know. Good. I'm from the South. Yeah. Make fun of us Southerners. Uh, let's uh, let's give, uh, give us the stat breakdown on Mattis, on his accomplishments when he was working. Oh, you know, that's funny. I had to provide it for the TV show, but I don't even, I don't keep up track with, I know that he had teeth on people. He had eight. Um, but as far as the numbers, like he's, thanks to our work with the DEA, right. There's a lot of times they'll, uh, ask a dog to come sniff packages and stuff. So we have a couple million dollars of, of seized drug funds, um, hundreds of arrests, uh, hundreds of apprehensions without a bite, which is really important because a lot of times a dog, when they see a dog, people will just give up. And so there's no force that's used at all, which is fantastic. And then, like I said, eight people that he's actually put teeth on. So, but I don't, I don't keep track of the exact, they needed that for the show, but I, it's not, you're done with it now. Hey, well, tell us about the life of Mattis as it is now. What, how, how, you know, how's he doing? What's going on? He's, uh, you know, he's recently had a couple of scares. Um, back in May, he had bloat. And he almost died from that. Got him to the vet in time. They saved his life. And then more recently, he had a leg infection. Um, but he's on medication. He's doing well now. But we'll we'll still play. Like for our YouTube, we did a tracking video last week, um, which was fun to get him back in the saddle and and uh, running through the woods again. And he did a great job with it. And then I'll do odor challenges and stuff with him. And then. You know, we're daily. We try to post on our social media platforms of uh, TikTok and Instagram, so we're always creating content for that. And it's it could be you know us doing a stupid dance or one of the trends or just pictures of Mattis or whatever. But we always stay active doing that stuff. And then we do events like NASCAR and uh, trying to raise money for charities that we uh, are big supporters of, like uh, Project Canine Hero, who just they provide. A lot of people think that retired police dogs get some sort of pension. Um, but the second that they retire most of the time, wherever they are, except for Florida, which just signed a bill. Um, most of the time it's the handler's responsibility to take care of the dog. And that's where organizations like project canine heroes step in and they took care of all of Mattis's medical needs recently. And that was a huge relief on me. Um, so they're a good organization. Another one's Georgia police canine foundation. We do events for them all the time. Um, but yeah, so we, we stay really busy. Uh, opportunities are, are coming 
forward with the books and, and other opportunities, hopefully in the near future. Uh, like I said, maybe the, the game show host isn't so far off. Well, I, I have an idea. We're going to share with you. It's top secret, highly classified. I'll need you to sign an NDA, but Murph and I have been working on this. So uh, <laughs> since he doesn't have anybody to chase anymore, Pablo's been caught. Uh, spoiler alert, Pablo's dead. Room temperature. We have another couple fugitives we're after. So there's a new there's a new game we're going to run by you. So you can be the game host. I love it. All right. Let's all right. Well, hey, and uh, first of all, just this, people can't see this, but this is me saluting you, Mark. Thank you, first of all, for being on the podcast. Second of all, for serving your country, but for serving your community the way that you do, because it's easy to tell. You can tell very quickly with people. Some of them are in it just for the limelight and stuff, but it's very easy to tell that you're sincere oh, thanks, about man. what you do, about that you you truly enjoy it. And that goes back to the fact is the, the YouTube channel, the stuff, it's not named Mark Tappan's channel. It's, you know, it's about Mattis. It's about Alpharetta PD. So um, um, you can say humbleness is one of your greatest virtues. Now, I'll say it for you. You can just simply agree with it. So. I have been telling my wife that for the longest time. And Yeah, well, they know better, don't they? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I tell mine the same thing. Mark, it is an honor to have you on here, brother. It's, it's uh, just learning more about canines. Everybody likes a dog. Yeah. You know, it, it brings in more listeners for us. I love the fact that you're supporting Canines for Cops and Canines for Kids through Christy Schiller. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christy, wishing you all the best, and thank you for introduce, introducing us. But God bless you, brother. I love the work that she does, too. The fact that she's getting dogs to agencies that couldn't otherwise afford them and, not, and doing it the right way, too, right? Fully trained through good organizations. So she's... And making sure that they make sure that they deserve, you don't just get a dog because you asked for one. You've got to make a huge commitment to having that dog too. So you owe it to the dog to make sure you're giving it to somebody who's going to follow through on it. So, by the way, I've just pulled up your picture on Amazon. Um, that dog looks like Satan himself. If I saw something that black fur with teeth coming at me, I'm like, no wonder you only had eight bites. I'm like surrendering. Oh, do, do we get? Let's get the. You got him there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Hawk. That's his son. Come here, Mattis. There he is. Uh, for our listeners, we're getting to see. What's he holding there? That's he's his tug, Kong. isn't it? He's got a Kong. He's playing. Oh, Kong? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I gave him a big rub behind the ears for us. Yes, but, sir. You know, what we'll do is you guys stay right here. Um, we want to thank you again. Like I said, we're going to bring this to a close. Everybody else now, stay tuned for the debrief. Well, I take back what I said. He wasn't that big of a smart ass, just a little bit of poem, but it was a, but, but I'll tell you what though, again, great sense of humor. Um, very humble guy too. Even though we we're kind of having fun, very humble guy. serve. He is a, he serves his community and you can tell that came from being 10 years as an ordained minister, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and served just his country in the Marine Corps as a Marine formerly on active duty, but of course in Diego Garcia, the armpit of the uh, ocean out there, but uh, <laughs> you go where you're told. Yeah, go where you're told. And Steve, not a single person stole an installation or a palm tree off of Diego Garcia. So excellent job. Mark accomplished soldier. his mission. Yeah. Excellent job, Marine. <laughs> and by the way, on our page, you'll see the links to his uh, Instagram and his TikTok page. Um, and again, you know, just fantastic. But again, we love people who serve their community. We love people who serve their country. But he did it in a way that where he promoted canine Mattis, yeah. not himself. This isn't about him. And, you know, being on the top dog thing, diving into the pool the way he did, doing yeah. crazy stuff. Yeah. You know, he's got to be a ball of fun to work with. 
I mean, this guy, he's, he's not the guy that's going to sit around and say, let's see what happens. He's going to go find out what's happening and take action. There are three kinds of people, those people who make things happen, those people who watch things happen, then those people wonder what in the hell just happened. And Mark <laughs> is in the first category. He makes things happen. He made things happen at the top dog, he diving into the pool like that, skinning his nose, you know, yep. some of the crazy stuff he did. But you know what? He did it. He did it because he wanted to make an impact. He has a future as a game show host on Nickelodeon. That's what he wants to do. Nick, so Nickelodeon, if you're listening, here is your next game show host for kids and dogs. I see a show about kids and dogs, about how fast they can train their dogs. And Mark is the MC of this. And we'll call it, uh, what, what will we call it? I, I, it'd probably be named after Mattis because Mark's such a humble guy. He wouldn't name it after himself. Yeah. You know, and, t- and Mattis's, two, Mattis's Marauders. Check out our website because we're going to have his books posted on there. He's got a couple kids' books. Your kids, if you've got kids or grandkids, get these books and, and read them to them because I promise you they're going to love them. My grandkids are all, well, I just I shouldn't have said that. That's what they're going to get for Christmas. Well, hopefully your daughter, your granddaughter's not listening to our podcast. She shouldn't be hearing this. Well, I know, I know one of them. I know her dad, my son-in-law listens to it. Uh, and she comes in and hears things every once in a while. It's funny because she's been on, on her iPad lately or our iPad when she comes over. And on YouTube, she's seen some videos of Javier and I. And she's like, Pops, there's Pops on, on YouTube. So anyway, but check out Mark's books. You, you got to check those out. Your kids are going to love them. Or and who's know. that other guy? Would you say Javier Pena? Was he AKA Agent Penis? <laughs> yeah. no comment <laughs> no comment and it, and that is just, just such a cheap way to say if you haven't gone over to patreon.com slash game of crimes and heard our latest installment of you can't make this shit up yep. you will understand where javier and agent penis have an intersection <laughs> oh boy oh okay. let's finish this up so we can let everybody go and i'm starting to blush on here. i can't believe i was able to work it in like that what what what, what just segue right into that okay all right guys well hey look the script says it's time to say hope you enjoyed that episode yes thank you and if you did go to apple podcast spotify hit those five stars it's magic it's david copperfield david blaine street magicians we don't know how it works magic kingdom it just does head on over to game of crimes podcast for dot uh, com for more info about the show we update it. We've got Mark's books on there, his two books. He's got a third one coming out, still under wraps. But when that comes up, we'll post that as well. Follow us on social media. Just even if a few of you followed, just don't, you don't have to defect from Mark. Just, you know, come follow us, you know. Out of those five million, we ought to be able to get two. So come on, on over to Ad Game of Crimes on Twitter. At <laughs> Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. Uh, go over to paypal.com, use our email, gameofcrimespodcast at gmail.com or paypal.me slash gameofcrimes, whatever makes it easier. But where you got to be three times, where you got to be three times, where you got to be three times, Steve, where do you got to be? Come on over to Patreon. Time. I mean, you, you've got to hear some of the stuff we're doing. It's, it's, uh, we try not to be self-serving. We try to have fun with all our stories. We just finished up uh, the case of the month, uh, which is what levels is it, Morgan? The... Uh, the the guardian of the realm and warden of the throne. So you got up your game if you want to hear about Murph's last hurrah as an undercover agent, as a hillbilly buying eight hundred pounds of weed from a couple crazy boys. And that's just personal use in the mountains, you know. That's it's not like you're putting it up for sale. So, but seriously, come over and check us out. We uh, we have a thing called the Q and A where you can ask us anything. We haven't turned down a single question yet that anybody's asked us. It can be, uh, you know, anything. I mean, just whatever's on your mind. It could be about the war on drugs. It could be about how things are done. It could be about why Morgan's such a jerk sometimes. It could be anything. So everything is on the table. What do you mean sometimes? <laughs> oh, I mean all the time. 
I'm uh, sorry. <clears throat> I was trying and to be. If you nice want to hear to... the real story behind Javier Pena and Agent Penis, there's only one place you're going to find that. Yeah, come and you know what? Just check us out. See if you like it. Tell your friends about it. I'm pretty sure. I, I think we have as much content on Patreon as we do on the regular podcast, if not more. Well, we have we have a lot. Yeah, we have a lot on Patreon and a lot coming out too. So yeah, guys, just go check us there. Uh, but again, we just want to thank you guys once again. You have come through. Mark Tappan was a great episode. We've got mm-hmm. more. Really great ones coming up. Murph just got off the phone with a guy. Um, we'll tease it a little bit. Let's just say it involves a missile silo. Missiles. A missile silo in Wamigo, Kansas. So he's been drinking, everybody, just so you know. He's Actually, been drinking yeah. on the show. I, I, need, I need to after working with you for this long this morning. <laughs> All right, folks, let's, let's bring this to a close. <laughs> Let us bring this to a close. And once again, we want to thank you all for playing the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the canine-friendly Mark Tappan special, Game of Crimes. 